Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you would turn your Bibles to uh, Genesis chapter 35. Genesis chapter 35. Uh, our scripture reading this morning may have seemed a little bit strange. Uh, this story of a, uh, some Jewish exorcists who tried to cast out a demon were unable to do so because they didn't know the Jesus that they were trying to tra- tra- uh, cast out the demon in the name of. And uh, the, the seven um, exorcists get chased off uh, by, the, uh, the, by the man with the demon running naked and bleeding. Uh, now, it is a strange story, uh, but um, I'm actually, I chose this more for the last part of the passage, and that is, um, at the end of it, it talks about how people's lives were changed. Uh, people believed in the Lord, and as a result, they abandoned their old practices. They abandoned their uh, witchcraft and uh, dabbling with all those things. They brought together their books, uh, these books that uh, uh, they used for practicing magic, and they burned them. And it tells us that that, uh, it was worth 50,000 pieces of silver. Now, 50,000 pieces of silver may not mean much to us. Maybe we might think, well, you know, that, that... that, that sounds like a, a, you know, a lot, but we don't know the, the value of that. Um, and um, one of the things I looked at said basically calculating, uh, calculating the amount, assuming maybe that, that the coins were a day's wage um, at, um, um, I'm sorry, at a day's wage, uh, these coin, this fifty thousand dollars or fifty thousand pieces of silver may have been as much as six million dollars. They burned, they burned because they wanted to follow Jesus. Now we see in our text today maybe something similar. Maybe it wasn't of that that kind of magnitude of value, but um, Jacob does something with all of his camp, with all all those who were with him that abandon their idols. They abandoned the things that, uh, that were holding them back and fought from following the Lord. Let's go ahead and look at our text, beginning in verse 1 of chapter 35. And God said to Jacob, Arise and go to Bethel and dwell there. Make an altar to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you. And purify yourself and change your garments. Then let us arise and go to Bethel, so that I may make there an altar to the God who answers me in the day of my distress, and as has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods that they had and the rings that were in their ears, and Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree that was near Shechem. And as they journeyed, a terror from God fell upon the cities that were around them, so that they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. And Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel, 
which is in the land of Canaan, and he and all the people who were with him. And there he built an altar and called the place El Bethel, because there God had revealed himself to him when he fled from his brother. And Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died, and she was buried under the oak below Bethel. So he called its name Alan Bakuth. God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Padan Aram and blessed him. And God said to him, Your name is Jacob. No longer shall your name be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel, and God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come from your own body. The land that I give gave to Abraham and Isaac, I will give to you, and I will give the land to your offspring after you. Then God went up from him in the place where he had spoken with him. And Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he had spoken with him, a pillar of stone, and he poured out a drink offering on it and poured oil on it. So Jacob called the name of the place where God had spoken with him, Bethel. Then they journeyed from Bethel. When they were still some distance from Ephrath, Rachel went into labor, and she had hard labor. And when her labor was at its hardest, the midwife said to her, Do not fear, for you have another son. And as her soul was departing, for she was dying, she called his name Benoni. But his father called him Benjamin. So Rachel died. And she was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is, Bethlehem. And Jacob set up a pillar over her tomb. It is the pillar of Rachel's tomb, which is there to this day. Israel's journey on, Israel journeyed on and pitched his tent beyond the, the tower of Eder. While Israel lived in that land, Reuben went and lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine, and Israel heard of it. Now the sons of Jacob were twelve. The sons of Leah, Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. The sons of Rachel, Joseph, and Benjamin. The sons of Bilhah, Rachel's servant, Dan, and Naphtali. The sons of Zilpah, Leah's servant, Gad, and Asher. And these were the sons of Jacob who were born to him in Padan Aram. And Jacob came to his father Isaac at Mamre, of or, or Kiriath Arba, that is, Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac had sojourned. Now the days of Isaac were 180 years, and Isaac breathed his last, and he died, and there and was gathered to his people, old and full of days, and his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that you have spoken to us. We pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to obey. 
Lord, we pray that uh, through your word, you would cut away our idols. Lord, that you would cut away our idols and set us free to follow you and worship you with our whole hearts. Father, give me grace and strength as I preach your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Now let's uh, go back to the beginning and remember where we were at. Let's remember where we were at. Last week we looked at Jacob, uh, what happened with his sons. Remember Dinah, that was uh, the daughter of, uh, of Leah. Dinah had been uh, raped. Um, and the sons, Simeon and Levi, went into Shechem and they slaughtered every male. Not just Shechem, the one who was guilty, nor not just Shechem and his father, Hamor, but also every male that was in the whole city. And they plundered it. Now, this, uh, you can imagine that, the, that uh, even what Jacob says here at the, uh, at the end of last chapter, we see that um, the, the people around them were going to find Jacob Odious. They were going to find him to be a, a, a stench because of the behavior of his sons. And this is what he points out. And now we see in chapter 35 where um, Jacob is getting ready to leave the area. Uh, the, the, uh, uh, the, um, because uh, of what his sons had done, he's going to have to leave. And so God speaks to him and he says, go to Bethel, go back to where you met me before. Go to Bethel and there he is to make an altar. Um, He's going back to the same place that he had had met the Lord before when he was running from, um, from his brother Esau. Now back then he had already named it Bethel, but here we see again in this passage where we've read, he, he names it again, instead of calling it Bethel, he calls it El Bethel, which is interesting. We'll get to that in a minute. But anyway, so Jacob tells all of his household, he, they, they had just committed this, um, this uh, war crime. This atrocity of killing every male in the whole city. They have done this. And now Jacob, he, he, he says, this is what we need to do. Put away all of our foreign gods. Purify yourself and change your garments. The last chapter we saw was full of death. Full of murder. Full of atrocity. And because of that, Jacob knows there needs to be an atonement to be made. God tells him to make an altar. And, and his people, he tells, put away your gods. So they do what Jacob says, and they bring to him all of the foreign gods, these idols that they have. And, the, and it tells us also the earrings that were in their ears. Now this is uh, maybe kind of interesting. Why would they have to take their earrings out? Why, what does that have anything to do with idol worship? Well, um, as I was... Uh, doing a little bit of reading here. Uh, it, it, it's, we, when we read this, we kind of think, well, it's the earrings that were in the people's ears. But uh, there's evidence from the ancient Near East that, the, that they would make these idols and then they would put the gold earrings in the, earring, in the ears of the idols. 
And so uh, they were not uh, taking to the time to plunder the idols and take the gold earrings out of the idols. Instead, um, they, were, they hurried and they gave them to, uh, um, to Jacob regardless of the cost that was there. And, um, and, and Jacob, it says, it tells us that he hid them under the terebinth tree that was at Shechem. Now the word hid there in this passage uh, is used elsewhere by Moses uh, whenever it tells us in Exodus that uh, Moses had killed an Egyptian. He killed an Egyptian and he hid them by burying them in the sand. And how do you hide something under a tree? You bury it. So what Jacob did was he buried the idols. He buried the idols. He, he didn't bury the idols. And he didn't hide them so that he could come back someday and bear, dig them up and, and use them again. He buried them in hopes that nobody would find them. He buried them to get rid of them so, so that they would be gone. I think what we see here is very similar to what we see in the New Testament passage that was in our scripture reading. There were, there, they, they have had these practices of idolatry and because of the encounter with the Lord that they had, it was time to put away all of their idolatry, to put those things away, to finally be rid of them and they buried the idols. And that's what I think God calls us to do when we follow him. When we follow Jesus, he meets us as we are. He meets us as sinners just as God met Jacob as a sinner. He meets us, and after He meets us, He calls us to bury our idols. And each one of us has idols within our hearts. Um, I believe it was uh, uh, Martin Luther, maybe, who said that each one of us has in our hearts, our heart is an idol factory. We, uh, we will make an idol out of anything. They can be, it can be good or bad. We can make an idol out of, out of uh, bad behaviors, b- things that uh, we can make idols out of, out of greed, out of trying to get stuff for ourselves. We can make idols out of sex. We can make idols out of all kinds of things. We can also make an idol, as Amy alluded to in her prayer early, out of our family. We can make an idol out of anything. Anything that we put above following Jesus is an idol. And God calls us to do that same thing that Jacob was doing. He buried his idols. He buried his idols. And we need to do the same. We bury our idols. Now, the burying of the idols was not the thing that established a relationship with Jacob. Jacob was a sinner whenever God met him. And God uh, saved him and he gave him a new name. Oh, we already saw that in another chapter. But now he's calling him, bury your idols. God's relationship with Jacob was founded on the basis of grace. Jacob didn't do anything to earn it. But after he's in that relationship, God tells him, bury your idols. And he says the same thing to us. Then we see. They get on their way. As they journeyed, a terror from God fell upon the cities that were around them. Now these cities probably were pretty upset with what Jacob had done. With what, what his boys had done. Simeon and, and uh, uh, Levi. And really all of them because it says they all went in and plundered after, uh, after the atrocity was taken place by Simeon and Levi. 
But there was a terror that came from God over the people. They, they, were, they, were, they feared the Lord, and because of that, they would not go out after Jacob. Jacob was protected. And then Jacob came to Luz. And that was the previous name of Bethel before uh, it was named Bethel before. This was in the land of Canaan. It was part of the land that God was giving to Jacob and to his descendants after him. And then it tells us he built an altar, which is what God told him to do. But notice here, God, Jacob made an altar whenever he had met the Lord before at uh, uh, Peniel in chapter 33. I believe that's it. And he makes an altar here. It was at that place where God wrestled with Jacob. It was that place where he was given a new name that finally Jacob begins to make an altar. And he makes these altars and he, it shows us that he is walking in the way of his father and his grandfather before him. Abraham. When God called Abraham into the promised land, Abraham went around and everywhere he went, he made altars. Isaac, again, was also making altars. Jacob, up until he met the Lord, was not making altars. But now he does. He goes and he makes an altar. What's the significance of an altar? An altar is where you have a sacrifice. An altar shows that there is an atonement that has been made. Jacob met the Lord. Jacob met the Lord. And he was saved by grace. God gave him a new name. He was, he was brought into relationship with God by, by grace alone. But an altar had to be made. A sacrifice had to be made. And you, as we know, the sacrificial system of the Old Testament points forward to the atonement that was made by Jesus Christ. This altar upon which a sacrifice was made shows that because of our sin, a sacrifice had to be made. Hebrews tells us that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And this Sacrifice points forward to the sacrifice of Christ upon the cross. Jesus was our sacrifice. Jesus was the priest, the high priest who offers the sacrifice and He is also the sacrifice. He went to the cross and He died our death. He was our substitute taking our sin upon Himself. So Jacob builds this author, uh, altar and he calls the place El Bethel. Notice the change here. At first it was called Bethel. And in that chapter there was an emphasis upon the place. When, when God met with Jacob originally as he was fleeing to Padanaram, there was an emphasis on the place. Jacob was impressed by the fact Hey, this is where God was. He must be in this place. And he called it Bethel, the house of God. Well, now the emphasis is no longer on the place. It's now El Bethel. Instead, he calls it the God of Bethel. Because it's not about the place. It's about the God who dwelled there. And that's uh, showing us the change that took place in Jacob. Because God had revealed himself to when, when he fled from his brother. And then it tells us... So, I want to back up just a minute. 
So Jacob buries the idol. When he buried the idol, it was like a funeral. It's like a funeral. So he buries the idol, and, and that means his idolatry is dead. Just like whenever we, uh, when we come to Christ, we're baptized, we go under the water, and we raise up again, signifying our burial with Christ and our new life that we walk with Him. Well, his burying the idols, he was burying his old life. And now he's going to walk a new life. And we see four funerals here in this chapter. There's the, bar- there's the death of the idols, and now there's the death of Deborah. Deborah, have we heard of Deborah before? I mean, later on in the book of Judges, we know of another Deborah. But here, this Deborah, it mentions that Deborah is Rebecca's nurse. Isn't it funny that Genesis never tells us when Rebecca died? Instead, it tells us Rebecca's nurse died. I think maybe one of the reasons for this is how Rebecca, she had encouraged Jacob to, to deceive his father. She had encouraged all this to happen. And because of that, when she dies, she doesn't have any remembrance. And yet we have this remembrance of her nurse, Deborah, who died. So, it's just mentioned in passing, and I think it draws our attention to remind us Rebecca's death is never even mentioned. And she was buried under the oak below Bethel, and he called its name Alan Bekuth. Uh, Alan Bekuth means uh, an oak of weeping. This was a place where weeping took place. God appeared to Jacob again. When he came from Padanaram and blessed him and said, Your name is Jacob. So it's recalling back whenever God met him and changed his name to Isaac, to, to Israel. No longer shall you be called Israel, or Jacob, but you'll be called Israel. He says, I am God Almighty. He identifies himself that when he says God Almighty, the words there are El Shaddai. Maybe you remember the song from Amy Grant. El Shaddai, El Shaddai. Well, anyway, that's the name that's there. It means God Almighty. And he tells him, be fruitful and multiply. Isn't that interesting? The same words that we heard to Adam and Eve are being told here to Jacob. In a way, I think whenever we see these words, be fruitful and multiply, given to Jacob, and the same words that we saw given to Noah also, be fruitful and multiply, I think this signifies that Jacob in some way is being shown as a new Adam. A new Adam. From Jacob's line, the Christ would come who would be the new Adam. Who would win, who would, who would be successful where Adam failed. Who would keep God's law. Who would offer himself and who is our head if we believe in him. We are either in Adam or we are in Christ. And we have traces in the Old Testament that point to this reality that there is a new Adam. Jacob here is represented as this new Adam by being told, be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you. We know 
Jacob is the one who has the 12 sons who become the 12 tribes of Israel. And then it tells us, kings will come from your own body. With the first king of Israel was Saul. We, we have Saul's, and he was from the line of Benjamin. So we have Benjamin who was born here in this next uh, uh, section of the, of the chapter. His line ends up leading to becoming the first king of Israel. But another line is Judah. Judah. Uh, we, we know if we follow Jacob's line, we follow to the line of Judah and we come to David who became the, the, for the, the next king of Israel after Saul and who God promised he would have a son who would sit on his throne forever. Whenever it tells us kings will come from your own body, I think this points again forward to the fact of the king of kings who would come and be the Messiah. Jesus the King of kings and Lord of lords, the one who will one day come and reign over the whole earth. Kings will come from your own body. The land that I give to Abraham and Isaac, I will give to you. And I will give the land to your offspring after you. Then God went up from him in the place where he spoke with him. So basically, after this appearance, after this moment with God, God appears directly to him. He just, he's gone. He goes up. How does, how does Jacob react here after that? After God, God is, he, he goes up from him, and then Jacob, he sets up a pillar in the place where God had spoken with him, a pillar of stone, and he pours out a drink offering. And pour, so God, again, he offers an offering to the Lord whenever this takes place. And then, finally, he calls the name of the place where God spoke with him, Bethel, again. All right. We have this, this next section, we have another death. We've had the death of the idols. We've had the death of Deborah. Now, they're journeying along from Bethel. From Bethel. <coughs> and it says they're di- some distance still yet from Ephrath. Ephrath, it tells us later in the text, is an old name for Bethlehem. And when, in the book of Micah, in the book of Micah, we have this prophecy that we read around Christmas time about how uh, uh, old Bethlehem, Ephrathah, um, how little among the cities of Judah. This place where David was born. Well, they're traveling some distance from Ephrathah and Rachel goes into labor. Late, uh, and as we know, especially in the time that we before we had modern medicine, pregnancy is often a, a very difficult, very hard thing. It's one of the one of the uh, uh, the, the the problems of the curse that was put upon uh, upon the human race uh, back in Genesis three. There would be di- difficulty in childbearing, and Rachel dies as she's giving birth to her son, and she calls him Benoni. Uh, this can have two possible meanings. We don't know which one she intended, but Benoni can mean son of my sorrow or it can mean son of my strength. But Jacob, 
calls him Benjamin. And we know of the tribe of Benjamin. And Jacob, uh, Benjamin means the son of my right hand. He's, he's, his, uh, he's his favored son. Now, not favored quite as much as Joseph, we know. Joseph, uh, we, we see later on, chapter, start, starting in chapter 37, about how Jacob is favored and he's given this coat of many colors. But Jacob favors both uh, Joseph and Benjamin because they were the sons who came from his uh, loved wife, Rachel. And Jacob sets up a pillar over her tomb. Verse 22. And then we see this another tragic, tragic thing. And it all happens in one verse. And it's like passed over real quickly. It seems like this would be a very horrible thing. Yet, we see it in one verse and it's not mentioned again. Verse 22, it says, When Israel lived in that land, Reuben went and lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine, and Israel heard of it. Reuben was wicked. He was dishonoring his father. He was kind of maybe saying, see, we have later on in the story of Kings, King David had one of his sons who tried to take over, tried to, tried to become king himself while David was still living. And one of the things that he did when he tried to come take over and become king was he laid with one of his father's concubines. And the same idea, we have Reuben, he's trying to say, I'm the man now. I'm the one. He's trying to take priority. He's trying to say, you know, this is an old man, Jacob. Now let me be the boss. But Jacob, we see, all it says is, and Israel heard of it. Then what did he do about it? It seems like Jacob, he's, he's following it back into some of his old passive patterns where he, he didn't discipline his sons as he ought to. It just says he heard about it. And then we move on. And the next thing we see. Now the sons of Jacob were twelve. The sons of Leah. Notice the order here. Reuben, Jacob's firstborn. Reuben was the one who lay with his father's concubine. The firstborn is supposed to have priority, right? Firstborn is the one who's supposed to get the blessing, supposed to have the birthright. Well, Reuben disqualified himself by what he did. And then we see the next son, Simeon and Levi. Well, Simeon and Levi, they were the ones who slaughtered Shechem and the people of the village. Of the city. So Moses has shown us now that Reuben was disqualified, and Simeon and Levi were both disqualified from the blessing because of what they had done. And the next son, Judah. Simeon, Levi, and, and uh, uh, Reuben all disqualified from the blessing because of what they had done. And they're, they're passed over so that Jake, Judah is the one who receives the blessing that we see later on in the book of Genesis. Then the sons of Rachel, Joseph and Benjamin, the sons of Bilhah, Rachel's servant, Dan and Naphtali, the sons of Zilpah, Leah's servant, Gad and Asher. These were the sons of Jacob who were born to him in Padan Haram. 
And Jacob came to his father Isaac at Mamre, or Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, when Abraham and Isaac had sojourned. Now, the days of Isaac were 180 years. Does that sound familiar? We think all the way back to the beginning of Genesis where we have these genealogies and it says, and someone lived so many years and his days were full and he died. We see uh, Isaac lived 180 years and Isaac breathed his last and he died and was gathered to his people old and full of days. And it tells us Esau and Jacob buried him. We end here, which is kind of a listing of the sons and Isaac's funeral. And we've had four funerals here. But you know what? This text actually leads us to something else. Chapter 34 that we looked at last week, full of death. This chapter had four deaths. Four, the death of the idols, the death of Deborah, the death of Rachel, and the death of Isaac. But you know what? Life comes out of this. We see here a listing of these children. In spite of Jacob's sin, in spite of all that had happened, God is still keeping His promise to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. In spite of the curse, life goes on, particularly in the family of Abraham and of Jacob. Sons were given to him. And these sons become the twelve tribes of Israel. In the midst of this chapter that is surrounded by death, Life comes. <coughs> These 12 tribes, particularly the son of Judah, we see this line come down to another person. Not Benjamin this time, but another person who was born in Bethlehem. Jesus. And Jesus was a man of sorrow, acquainted with grief. Jesus died for our sins. And in the midst of death, life comes. Jesus rose from the dead. And because of that, we can live too. This chapter... Encourages us to bury our idols. But it also encourages us showing that in the midst of the curse, in the midst of the death, in the midst of the suffering and the sickness and everything that's in the midst of this world that we live in, Jesus defeats death. And He will come again and He will make all things right. listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.